0: From time to time, a change is imminent. And as we stand in that choice, we view the future with an eye toward possibilities.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Boom Talk Media. This is Bibi Peters with Dr. Andrea Gould And we have with us today, we are talking with Dr. Margaret Higgins, the executive director of The Haven let us tell you a little bit about the background on The Haven. Since 1970, The Haven has been a resource for women in Tucson, where they offer a unique approach to substance use recovery, specifically for women. Their residential treatment center and outpatient clinic welcome clients along with their children and families. Their mission is to reunite families, rebuild communities, and strengthen the mother child bonds through the process of healing from substance use and co occurring disorders. We are so delighted to welcome Margaret, Dr. Margaret Higgins, to our recording.
0: The very eloquent Dr. Margaret Higgins. I'm delighted to (laughs) be
1: here. And you're
0: standing at the threshold of a transition which has been playing out in your life. So the very beautiful Haven is a place where I have visited firsthand and become so impressed with the mission in action. The welcoming atmosphere, the beautiful atmosphere that has taken over a a neighborhood that was in need of expanding itself to include this very, very important population. So I was so impressed and I'm so glad to see you here. So let's begin with a short overview of your journey and
2: how you got to today. I do get asked this a lot, I really do, (laughs) and I have fun with it. People will ask, where am I from, and I'll invite them to to give me a guess, and invariably (laughs) they guess either England or Australia, and invariably I can say yes to both of them, which makes them puzzled. Um, But from the accent, you can tell, England initially. And I think I've taken a lot of my... um, Transitions in life from one country to another, from the influence of my mum, who was a bit of an adventure. And to go back, my dad was a coal miner. Uh, mum was, uh, uh, she, she, she was many things, including a stay at home, including working at a, in, a, in a checkout at a supermarket and also doing market research. Mm-hmm. However, mum was instrumental in getting us from England to Australia for a better life for dad. And I remember even back then at high school, which is what I was at, it was called grammar school, but different languages. Um, my fellow students, an all girls school, but aren't you scared? Do you want to go? And I was saying, no, it's an adventure. I'm very looking forward to going to Australia. So then I was in Australia for many years, back to England, back to Australia. And then uh, New Zealand, I uh, married and eventually went to New Zealand. And then from New Zealand, it was time for sabbatical. And the best place to come for sabbatical for our purposes was Arizona. And <laughs> I, must, I must say, the University of Arizona, I must say that I often feel that I paralleled the BGS and their travel. <laughs> England, Australia, England. Australia, America. Uh, So it's an interesting path, but all of it has been taken with excitement and with interest in the next stage of my life. So that's how I came here. I came here for sabbatical. I came here to the U of A and uh, my passion has always been working with women and showing women that they can do it, whatever it happens to be. And so not to put barriers in their paths. And if there are impediments, then let's work ways around it. So after university teaching, then after working on public, uh, I said public radio uh, with um, Track Media Services, which is a public television audience research agency, I then came to working with The Haven, which is solely dedicated to women. So it suited my interests absolutely beautifully. I knew at that stage nothing about behavioral health and substance use disorder, but I did know about women. And that was why I am where I am. And I have been here for 17 years. And I have to let you know, the very first day I landed in Tucson, hadn't even left the airport, blue sky, gum trees, pittasporum, bougainvillea, red earth. I said, I'm home because this is it was so event. like Australia. Oh, this is the place for me. This and, is it. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, the focus on women, as opposed yeah. to focusing first on substance abuse and behavioral health is the very, very aspect that makes the difference in the Haven, because the Haven, if, you know, is, yes, it's a rehabilitative treatment center, but it is a home. And how astute and beautiful a place got, that got
2: created because the focus came that way, from that direction first. Absolutely. It came from women who wanted to set up a program for women that could bring their children to a program. And I have to let you know that because my life has not been... um has not been uh, one that's been engaged, should we say, with women who are on the margins of society. I have to let you know that psychologically, I had to ask myself, how would I handle this? After all, we all move in certain spheres in the world. And what came to me constantly was, it doesn't matter where a woman is coming from, it's where she's going to. So with that frame of mind, I was able to step into a new world where it really didn't matter where the woman was. It didn't matter where she'd come from, whether she was coming from the depths of the streets, whether she was coming from the depths of um, a substance use disorder. It didn't matter. It made no odds. And if she had children, all the more important for there to be role modeling and some form of guidance to put the woman into a better place that she wanted to be in. So that was my whole framework for taking on the Haven. And and it's such a beautiful
0: transition because it emulates real life. It's not separated from real life. And so there's children there, there's gardens there, there's a library there, there's aspects of living in community that are so critically important. How else can you set up an environment for healing, if not to include all of those elements, education and, and children?
1: One of the questions that just pops into my mind is, how is the haven different then than it is now when after you are now preparing to depart and we can't get we can't wait to get into that process, both your mental and physical process. But how has the haven changed over the
2: years? Okay, well, there are some basics, obviously, such as um, (laughs) we've more or less tripled our population and we've uh, tripled, if not more, well, way more than tripled our budget. So they're the practicalities. But beyond that, simple things. Um, There used to be a kind of model in behavioral health where you, uh, I hate to say it, demean somebody, break them down before you then build them up. I couldn't do that. No way at all, no. So I introduced what we call recovery with respect. Absolutely, you have to accord somebody a respect for their choices they're making moving forward so that we can strengthen their decisions. And it's, you know, it's, I, 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 can't, I cannot have staff members who treat women With disrespect, I mean, what put the women into the position in the first place? Often it was because they were demeaned, disrespected, prostituted, solicited, whatever, it doesn't matter. No, respect for the women, the clients themselves. I hope for respect within staff and respect within clients. And I push that, of course, I'm only one person. I'm not working directly one-on-one with the clients. I'm not a counsellor, but if I can inculcate this then we're a long way forward and the other thing that changed is that historically pre my time we were alcoholics anonymous only um AA, 12 step and i believe we had to change that because many women including myself would not want to be there if that was the case so we've we've broadened the belief system and the beliefs and the mechanics that can help women to change. Rational recovery, smart recovery, recovery that is not just one mechanism. One mechanism doesn't suit everybody. It's as simple as that. You described
1: this process in such a beautiful and sensitive and passionate way. Mm -hmm. Um, I can Mm -hmm. see why you've been at the helm of this organization for 17 years. And so even though I'm not Part of it, I'm sad that you're about to depart. I'm (laughs) sad personally. So tell us a little bit more about that transition in your life now. What is unfolding?
2: Right. Well, just let me give you some background to me. So I did a, a master's degree in business admin, MBA years ago. How and why did I do it? I was seeking something to keep my brain alive. And a friend, he said, I'm going to do an MBA. And I said, yeah, that's it. I'll join you. Serious decision-making going on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the time, a friend said, oh, a group of us are going to France. Think you want to come? Said, yeah, sounds good to me. Yay. Um, do my doctoral work. It was a case of, you know, we need to get the family together uh, because we I was at this stage living in a different part of the nation, New Zealand, to my now ex-husband. I had the children studying. He was elsewhere. How to get the family together? Yeah, do a PhD in a third location. Yeah, right. And so a lot of my life has been one of um, leaping on possibilities. Oh, my God. Okay, like we are running, quoting leaving, this term. We leaving. are
1: quoting this term.
2: Okay. <laughs> you know, it, leaping on possibilities. In, in a sense, you have to, I think, psychologically prepare yourself for such possibilities to be coming past you. So it's not pure luck. If, for example, I didn't have the focus on women, if I didn't have the education, if I didn't have the knowledge that I could do it, whatever it was, then I wouldn't be able to leap onto the possibilities. I was asked yesterday to do something, which is really right, quite mega in Tucson. I can't mention it to you yet, but the question was, do you want time to think about it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: or do, you I, you want more, well, do you want more than 12 hours to think <laughs> about it?
2: Yes. My answer was, you know what? I'm going to say yes, and then I'll think about it, and I'll make it work. It will happen. And, you know, it's the same in a sense with um, this move to leave the haven. Um, it's a stage in life. It's not, um, it's not something that I'm going to put a lot of angst into. I'm going to make sure my ducks are in a row. I am going to think about what I need to think about. And I'm going to say, it's another stage of life. And you know what? Why not leap into this other stage of life? Again, let's keep the brain alive. Let's do something
0: different. And, and, you know, the old adage, you know, where preparedness meets opportunity. And so, you know so that you feel and have felt for a long time prepared to do whatever the it was right
1: i think you're right. And
0: once yeah. you're prepared once you've got yeah. some experience with navigating change or making a transition certainly making a successful transition one way or another then you're prepared In a generic way. And so when an opportunity comes, (laughs) uh, I never use the word leap into it, right? You can (laughs) embrace it, but the enthusiasm that is you leaps into the opportunity because you are prepared.
1: The enthusiasm that is Dr. Margaret Higgins, okay? We're talking specifically about this person because our listeners can tell in her voice how much enthusiasm and energy she carries about what she's done and about the future.
2: Absolutely, you're exactly right. There is enthusiasm. And I noted some words in a chart I was looking at the other day and I saw words, crisis, chaos, and anxiety, and fear. And I was thinking... You know what, I, I don't, you know, I know it's, you know, they are unknowns, but if you think about, I mean, nuts and bolts, if you're moving into a transition as I am, which is commonly known as retirement, you've got to have looked at the nuts and bolts. Number one being your finances. Yes. So yes. You, if I had not looked into things like that, if I had not prepared myself intellectually psychologically for the change, then I might have anxiety and fear. And, you know, I can't deny that you know, the residual anxiety and fear, but that's only because I haven't tested the waters yet. I haven't done it. So once, but but in, in terms of, I've looked at the finances. I've looked at how to keep the brain alive. I've looked at what I can do. Uh, do all of this. So the ultimate framework is there. And then it's a case of, okay, the tiny, tiny little bit of anxiety. Will I be able to make it work? I will not know till I've tested the waters and done it. And it will work. And if I find even any iota of it not going to work, then I won't sort of fall apart apart in distress. I'll say, let's circumvent this, what can I do? I'd even thought, for example, years ago in my history, I was actually a librarian. So I've heard of substitute teachers. I have actually been in touch with the library system here to say, do you have a need for substitute librarians? Because if I find it's not working for me, (laughs) I've got a path and a strategy to circumvent any fear or anxiety that may bubble up. I think to
0: generalize a bit about this, um, it's really important to do that kind of, whether you do it formally or informally, a Mm -hmm. life review, like where were my attractions? Where was I intrigued? What did I always love? Um, you know, to be able to reflect back on experiences, because there are opportunities that we've taken, there are paths that we've taken, there are paths that we haven't taken, because we can only be in one place at a time. So I think what you just said about, you know, loving the whole essence of being in a
2: library, you know, came zooming right up (laughs) to now, right? Again, it was an, an essence of an interest, but also practicality. You cannot deny that. So practically, what can I do if I need to do something? I'm right. not want to just sit and watch television. That's the last thing I, I I couldn't even consider that. Neither am I one to think. Oh, I want to be the biggest ski buff in the world. No. So yes, Andrea, you, you, Dr. Gold, you're quite right. What is it that's intrigued me in life? And that has been exploration of information, and that.
1: That's a quote. We are quoting you. Exploration of information that is just ideal and perfect. How fantastic!
2: I and love, you know, light science. I love reading about, um, you know, history. Um, I've been reading about history, not only history in and of itself, but also history of science. You know, how was um cholera cured in 1854 in London? Brilliant book, I can tell you straight away. The Ghost Map, read it by Stephen Johnson. But, you know, I think having a learning mindset, having motivation and be willing to take risk and, as I said, leap onto opportunities. I don't mean risk as in unconsidered things, but not, not, don't, don't put barriers in front of yourself. Think of what you can do, not what you can't do. Right, and then right. work, work towards that. So it is a, a mental set.
1: So, so go when you're starting to ski, right? And I'm not a, you know, skier by any means, but um, you don't start at the 5,000 foot (laughs) downhill. Okay. You start at a small little area right around the clubhouse. Called the bunny hill. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So, so the same thing with this, Um, and we are just so excited and delighted to talk to you not only as you face this transition in your life, but the new adventures and opportunities that you're already brewing in your mind, right? So tell us about the future of Dr. Higgins. Tell us what will happen in the future. And we already know that you're staying on board in another role. So
2: give us a whole picture on that. Okay. well, what I proposed to the board and I met with them, who knows, six or eight months ago, and I said to them, look, I'm (laughs) I perhaps use an incorrect word these days. I said, look, I'm looking to transition. That's got a different meaning these days than the one I actually meant. And they looked at me very strangely. And, And then I said, look, 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 a change in life. I'm not going to make it without a discussion with you being the board. And this was a couple of members of the board, key members. And I turned from one to the other and I said, look, we've been wanting to set up a foundation for a while. Why don't I transform from being the executive director full time of The Haven to working to manage the foundation that we're talking about setting up? One or two days a week. That's all. That's all. One or two days a week. But can I... Can we work to grow the foundation, which is what we've been wanting to do for a long time? And so the board wonderfully accepted this as a good path forward because it achieved their goals, setting up a foundation. It worked with me and them because they didn't particularly want to lose me. I mean, after all, this is what I said to them. And this is absolutely true. I'm a 17-year asset. You don't let an asset just drift off into the wind. So you true. utilize so true. it. So true. I know. And so many other people are in my position and their boards think, oh, no, once you leave, you leave. But, you know, no, no.
0: And this is this is part and parcel of this simplistic way of thinking, the yes and no, the black and white, the polarization thinking. So if you're going to leave or if you're going to retire, then we give you the gold watch and we have the party and then you're gone. And that isn't the reality of life. It's just the same way sometimes, you know, in my practice, there'll be people who separate and they still have family. So many families learn how to make and navigate that transition without splitting apart the whole family, or to use your words, losing the asset that the family members have, the in-laws, the other people in the families that that you've enjoyed. So this is a wonderful concept of continuity
1: it's fantastic concept of continuity because of the assets, because of the wisdom that you've collected, that you've gathered, of the learning lessons that you've experienced, of the growth that you experienced. Why would a company just want to divorce themselves 100% from all that base, right? So,
2: oh my gosh, it's so exciting to be talking to you. And- I know. It doesn't make sense, really. I mean, obviously, if I were not an asset then I wouldn't be there. They would have disbanded with me years ago. So anybody that's been in good standing and is seen as a face of an entity, why would you just cut it off? Admittedly leave space for the new person to do their own deal, but, and and take a break, but come back and support it in another way. They need, I mean, it's silly to lose something that they've um, worked hard with and, uh, enjoyed and 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 supported for so long we're talking about women the advocating for oneself that came so
0: naturally to you yes right sometimes people don't don't feel confident to advocate for themselves and to point out the rationality of that kind of inclusive continuity. Thank you so much for being who you are and even, and and, and sharing with us, that's what you did because that's, you've got a good role model there for so many people who've got to make that transition.
1: And we also want to know, so we're not ending this at this point at all, but we also yeah. want to know about your free time. How are you envisioning this extra time now that you will have perhaps on your hands? And what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? What do you see? The, how will you see that life unfolding?
2: Well, um, again, as as some form of preparation, and I did take this idea from another CEO who stepped down from another local nonprofit a few years ago. And he said he anticipated that when he retired or resigned, he would be inundated with requests to be on this board, that board, or the other board. So at least six months in advance, he chose the ones he wanted to be involved with and got himself onto those boards so that when the time came for people to say, will be on my board, he could easily say and honestly say, I'm sorry, I'm already on multiple boards that suit his interests. So I took his line, and I've actually been actively working to find – A focus foci whatever the plural is uh, to to get myself onto those paths now in advance and so I have already worked to get myself onto a particular board in town that has um, a a long-term interest of mine so I've done that um I have I'm already um of the VP I was the president but the VP of another board and I will retain an interest in being on that so basically I will choose wisely and I will allow myself time to do reading and learning and um, possibly go down to the U of A and do some more studies I cannot see just Moldering away and dwindling (laughs) Um, so yes I do enjoy reading I enjoy travel I don't know that I'll necessarily do any more travel because I've it's not as though working has hampered what I've chosen to do in my life I might augment it uh, in different ways so looking to find causes that I appreciate and how I can support so that that's it plus also if need to be asking the library world if they would you know excuse me Can I be a substitute? Can I come and help people find information? The human interaction is important to me and doing something meaningful. So I can't give you absolutes, but um, I do know that what I was asked to do yesterday will actually take a reasonable amount of my time. But again, it's for community good. Years ago, when I was in England in Brighton, I worked with Oxfam, volunteered at the Oxfam local secondhand shop. And back then, I was thinking about what we are here for in this world. And one of the things that I felt then was to help others. And, and, and I think that that, in a way, is it's come full circle in my life. I was early 20s then doing that. Uh, I've just had my 70th birthday party. And, you know, it's still there. Um, I, I, you know, we're not there to be selfish, I don't think. That's me personally. I can't imagine just doing life. For my own purposes, it just just doesn't make sense to me? Well,
0: well one of the things that we know firsthand and also through all of research is that connection is one of the single most important uh, variables in terms of gracious, aging, going through the process, and however it is that we maintain those connections, whether it's through friendship, which is of great interest to us as a phenomenon. Um, Bibi and I have been writing about it for a while now, and so we can look forward to seeing that, Um, but also giving of oneself to a cause as long as it's meaningful. If it's
2: not meaningful, the connection is not going to work. It will just be very superficial, that sort of connection will be. So it's got to be meaningful to one's life. And that means that Dr. Gould, Barbara, what me, mean, what's meaningful to you two will be different to what's meaningful to me. But if it feeds your brain, then go for it. And, and, and it, a word has just come to mind that yeah. I have to sort of reflect on, and that is there have been so many environmental changes in the behavioral health world, the health world, that I did also feel that, and we're just talking about creativity in our own lives and what we want to do, I did feel that it was perhaps time to hand over the reins to to allow somebody else to bring creativity to the work that I've done for the last 17 years. You know, there's perhaps a, um, I'm not sure if there's a bottomless pit of creativity, perhaps that's a better way of saying it. Our brains can only be so creative and next we need somebody else to come along that had different experiences, that has a different psychological awareness of life so that they can bring what they have seen as creative, to, to life and to to the haven in this case. That's a we beautiful
0: all... Yeah, it's a beautiful yeah. thought. Yeah. And, you know, because you created the haven as a home, like any of us in a home, after a while, certain aspects of the home become invisible to us, we accommodate to it, and we don't see it. Um, anymore. And somebody Mm -hmm. walks in and says, what a beautiful wall, (laughs) you know, or something that we take for granted. So I think you're speaking, um, Dr. Margaret, very much to that, that, uh, you know, another being is going to come in there and see that home and immediately, you know, have the benefit of riffing off what already is there, but, and enhancing it. I doubt if anybody is going to level the whole beautiful place that... Can you speak a little bit about that creative process? Because it was the most unusual in that there were individual homes in the neighborhood that became united
2: to create the haven. That's very true, too. But the creative process overall, and let me talk about that, I think some of it is not being... um, not allowing yourself to be bound by society's expectations, or by one's own experiences. I think it's bringing together, and being willing to take risks, um, be willing to experiment and recognize that just because, and here's one of my favorite subjects, okay. So I do believe that what we're taught at university, and what we're taught, if we are taught for a particular career, you tend to be then bound by that for life because they're the parameters. This is what you do. This is how it's done. But it's only if you've either got broader experiences or a broader form of education that when you come to a field, you can bring those into the funnel to, 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 to in Exactly. So it worries me a little bit that um, people in my field, uh, as it is now, they are bringing to bear more or less what they were taught in the field when they were taught 14, 15, 16 years ago. The world has moved on. We need people who have got that experience but are willing to look beyond, to 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 grow and to broaden what they learned, not to be confined by it. So, you know, <clears throat> that's one of the things I believe I brought to this world because I'm not a counsellor. I was able to look in on it and say, but, 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 and then they were able to Oh, you know, Barbara. I can see that you are. You, you, yeah,
1: yeah. And so, when you talk about growth, <laughs> She's bursting, we can, yes, right. <laughs> Will like I have to stand up when you talk about growth? Because yeah. growth is not limited, and that's one of the biggest messages that yes. I think we want to convey to people. It's not limited.
2: And, and, you know, people tend to think that the brains are fixed by a certain age, but we are actually, we have malleable brains and it's not as though what we learned as a child or in university or in our experiences is that and that's all. Our brains change if we allow them to. If we allow an expansion of learning and experiences and don't close ourselves off and say, oh, but that my brain, you know, or we can't or I can't change for whatever reasons. Absolutely, we can. Absolutely, absolutely. And, absolutely. and that
0: brings up really very practically the um, issue of technology for people as they have aged and um, the fear um, in even tackling that. And yet I remember back in my training with rats, there was this experiment that you may know of. We always experimented psychologists back in the day on rats, that they would have
2: rats. Male rats, excuse <coughs> yeah, me. Yes,
1: male rats right.
2: and mice, which right. affects their behavior.
0: That's right. That's right. And they, they would grow these rats or keep these rats in their spare time in these limited environments. They called them impoverished environments that all there was, was the cage and what to eat. And then they they did experiments where they enriched the environment of the rat. And then when the rat died, they then examined in autopsy the brain Mm -hmm. and they found out that the rats who had been in an enriched environment had heavier brain weight. Why? Because a particular kind of cell had grown and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And that doesn't stop. Those are the glial cells. Actually, this is I'll never forget. Right. However long ago this was, it was so impressive to me that our brains can grow ad infinitum. And we have plenty of friends, right, who
2: can exhibit that. Go ahead. You, you mentioned Marco. enriched foundations. So that is something you asked me, Barbara, about how um, the Haven has changed. So over the years, pre-COVID, we went to, we, I, the Haven uh, staff members went to many events, whether it was at the convention center, Arizona Inn, you name it. And so what we started doing was enriching the lives of our clients by taking them to these events. Because if you've never been to a gala event, if you've only ever struggled to exist hand to mouth, you've got no idea what you can aim for or what there is out there. So it's true. like these uh-huh. rats and mice. Um, and, you know, I, I, so we would take tables full of women so they could see what was possible out there. And I have to say that I am oh, eternally honored to have staff members who initially came to the Haven as clients, they saw what was possible. They went and got education in whatever ways. We, the Haven, helped them in any way we could. And they are now back counseling clients who were in their space 15 years ago. The the best experience. And let me
0: ask you this. Is that part of the mission of the foundation to have the funds to assist people who have been clients in in their
2: education? I'm Would sure that be- I'll be part of it. I don't think it is specified that the women have to have been part of the haven, but it's definitely, okay. the, the mission specifies helping women. And I can't remember the exact words of the mission because it's still just um, the foundation's mission. It's just being established as a 501c3, but it is definitely to assist women move ahead. Women who have been on the margins of society. And if indeed giving enriching their experiences will be part of this moving ahead then that will be part of what we'll be doing you have to i mean if you for many years i lived with a woman um e-ling in perth she was from 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 penang i'm from and i repeat again a coal mining community the poorest of the poor i started getting education paying for it by myself i went to visit her family in penang And I was immediately shown a new world, a world of something beyond my experiences, richness, a world of having servants, living, driving in Mercedes, things like that. Now, it wasn't necessarily what I aspired to, but I saw a different world, a vastly different world that I knew I could then move beyond my own uh, filters, really.
0: That's such an important point in general is the exposure so that actually in psychology, we have words for everything, right? So one of the words we have is reinforcement sampling Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that we can sample something in advance, see how it feels, and then we can put it within reach inside our psyches, inside our hearts. If we don't have exposure, then you know and one of the you know one of your big connections is the exposure via reading
2: yes absolutely Read. reading from an early 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 days i missed out on whole lots of young adult reading because i seem to go straight from primary level to adult level uh, but absolutely reading is so important and exposure exposure yeah.
1: and a little bit as we bring this to a close, just tell us a little bit about your personal emotions and feelings and anticipation. Where is your mind at? What what are you seeing? Where are you seeing the possibilities and opportunities?
2: Well, I think it's going back to what I almost said in the very beginning. Um, I sense a new adventure and my psyche, my heart, my tummy are feeling um, you know, when you get a sort of tight feeling with anticipation, which I recognize as a little bit of fear, tiny bit, as I mentioned earlier, anxiety. Can I handle this? But it's that's bounded by knowing that I can and looking forward to the adventure and the experiment of the next however many years of my life. What can I do with it next? I mean, it's not a case of sitting by the fireside and expecting my life to dwindle away. Not at all. Right. Not at all. Where am I going next? The adventure is there. The cheerfulness and the lightness in my brain is there because it's in a sense freed from having to uh, manage and have responsibilities. I suppose that's some of it. I can pass off the responsibilities elsewhere knowing job well done. Now what can I achieve? Where can I go?
1: Have you thought of then writing a book, a little no. documentary book. Oh, let me invite you to do that. Oh, please. No, I, yes, I, I you do. must. Yes, because have. Uh, yes. your attitude, right? Your your smile and your attitude and your personality is going to drive the platform on which the book is created. So yes. you must share, share this. You must. because oh. Yes, because it's a how to it's how to grow a nonprofit from its very bare bones to where it is now. So many times larger and bigger and serving so many more people, not only uh, from a nonprofit perspective, but from a humanity perspective and also from a personal perspective perspective of what you had derived from it I think there's a book I'm like I want to pluck this moment and say there is a book here right dr. Andrea
0: at the very least it's a memoir right, and I right. think that you know being actually I had fantasies of librarian as well so I can relate and I have a very a beautiful picture that a friend uh, shared with me the other day that I am going to send to Barbara and to you most especially it's it's a staircase lined with books, but real books. It's a staircase made out of books. Very interesting, emblematic. Yeah. But the most demand, most um, in demand books are memoirs. Because we're beyond the play, we want to know what do real people do. How do real people handle this? Okay. So, uh, you know, there's, there's so many ways of writing a memoir, but I, I think that if it's scary to do a uh, how to, It's less scary to do a little bit like we've done in this podcast today, which is to just address those curiosities that everybody has about reinvention, about reimagining life, if you want to call it retirement. I, I personally, a little bit against that word, um, but yes,
2: so am I. I can't, I can't even say it. Just, no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. We we push that word to the side because <laughs> it is really at at the very basis. It's about reimagining what's possible for us and what's still possible, and even with limitations, what's possible with a constraint, what's possible with a different constraint. They're mm. still, for the
2: most part. For most of our lives, there's that possibility. Yeah, and, and, you know, women have still got a long way to go. It's a bit of a glass half full. I think that those still see how far we've got to go. We see the glass as half full. Some people on the other side of the spectrum see the glass. We see it half empty. Others see it as half full because we still see there's a way to go. But I do believe that strides over the past many years have been made. Um, years ago, growing up in England, I couldn't have imagined, nor was I ever encouraged to be anything like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or astronaut. But these days, I, I do believe that there are more paths open. And I do think that that's tremendously exciting as women come through, newer women come through their lives. I really do.
1: And one of the things, and I think that is your energy, your enthusiasm, certainly the lessons learned would find such home in a memoir that if you were to undertake, and now you have us to be responsible for doing that too. (laughs) And so, um, because you have this amazing sense of humanity Mm -hmm. uh, from. Working with the women and the families that you have done so, but even before then you bring the sense of light of opportunity and possibility, and that has that's why the haven has grown into what it is now. So if you just examine your personal characteristics and Dr. Andrew and I can write you a list of about three, pa- three pages uh, of, of what it is about you that has made this such a success that if you uh, lean back on that a little bit and uh, experience that, you can then guide that to a new adventure that you have in your life.
2: You know, you have really given me a focus. You absolutely have. I'm taking notes, as you can see. I have the pen ever ready. Permanent student, half a dozen pens in my life or in my ba- handbag at all times. Um, but yeah, you know, I might actually start putting metaphorically pen to paper and writing a book. Please I do. might Please absolutely. Please do.
1: Please it's do. Different. You are one of the most successful In my heart and mind, one of the most successful uh, women, and we're talking about women now, who have uh, transformed a nonprofit from Mm -hmm. the uh, very beginning of its growth into this flourishing and very successful and very Mm -hmm. community integrated center. And there's that energy and knowledge and passion that you have that in the memoir is going to come right through
2: right through i'll have to think of a title it could be clop clop creativity light opportunity and possibilities (laughs) (laughs) that's a
0: that is an ador. that is an adorable i was thinking of chapter but that can be the the book you know what the writing the book does so to speak metaphorically writing the book is at least it offers a container the experiences that all you have to do is dump them in randomly you don't have to you know a lot of times people say well how am i going to start it and what is chapter one no worries about that it's just a basket of experiences and then it will shape
2: itself just as an aside cut this piece out if you happily will my daughter went from uh here tucson to South Korea a few years ago, just after she finished university and she wrote a blog and it was called from Tucson to Busan. (laughs) That was great. Exactly. And it was a great one, but yes, titles are, are, you know, can be creative and that's exactly how you say it. Busan in South Korea. And then she went to Turkey and then elsewhere, but from Tucson to Busan. So I could do from Blackburn, Lancashire to You know, I'll have to be creative on this one, but I'll I'll start working on it. Trust me, with thanks to you both for making (laughs) this suggestion and pushing on
0: it. Oh well, thanks to you for like imbuing our uh, our day, this podcast, with your contagious enthusiasm. Right. 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 Which is a wonderful thing to know about oneself.
1: And we can't wait to talk to you again because this fantastic. is not the first time that we're talking, right? So we want to check in, let's say, once every six months and say, Brilliant. what is Dr. Margaret Higgins up to now? That would be what so fantastic case. in the Love journey. It. Love right. the idea.
2: Fantastic. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Excellent thank indeed.
1: You. Kisses and hugs. Barbara, and
2: Dr. Andrea, I thank you. I thank you so very much for the thought of, of, of interviewing me. I think it's marvelous. Love it. We love, love it. it too. We thank love it so too. Much.
0: Have a wonderful holiday
1: season. A oh, wonder- I will. Have a and wonderful
2: I thank you so much. Well. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank bye bye. Take
1: care. We're immensely grateful to AARP Arizona for their support. Have a listen to the 30 second message from AARP about protecting yourself online in relation to dating scams. This problem is particularly daunting in these times of isolation and loneliness. Be careful out there.
0: I matched with this cutie on a dating site. We texted all the time, but never met up. Then he asked to send him gift cards for a plane ticket to see me. And that's when I remembered a tip I got from the AARP Fraud Watch Network. Gift cards? This is a romance
1: scam. Spent that money on self-care instead. Recognize fraud sooner so your money lives longer. The younger you are,
2: the more you need AARP.